Chapter 15. The end of this story and the beginning of all the others. You need no rings when I am with you, said the voice of Aslan. The children blinked and looked about them. They were once more in the wood between the worlds. Uncle Andrew lay on the grass, still asleep. Aslan stood beside them. Come, he said. It is time that you went back. But there are two things to see to first. A warning and a command. Look here, children. They looked and saw a little hollow in the grass, with a grassy bottom, warm and dry. I'm Katie, and this is Bethy. Welcome to For Narnia and For Aslan. Bethy is on her sixth cup of tea this morning and is feeling pumped. Woo woo! <laughs> <laughs> After much effort, Katie successfully got a campfire going with some very damp wood yesterday. Yay. We love Narnia, and we're excited to talk about it with each other and with you. And the familiar music you've just heard is Dawn by Salt of the Sound. Katie, we are in chapter 15. This is the last chapter of The Magician's Nephew. I know. I know. Oh my gosh. We did it. We did it. And stay tuned if y'all are wondering what's next, because next week we're going to have a recap episode where we celebrate the whole book. Mm -hmm. The entire thing. I'm really excited for it. We're going to do sacred reading practices that span the whole thing Mm -hmm. and figure out how this entire book can apply to our lives. And after that, you'll still want to stay posted because there's six more books in this series. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that this doesn't have to end here. Me too. The end of this story and the beginning of all the others. But for now, let's take a look at chapter 15. My recap says... Aslan takes Diggory, Polly, and Andrew home by way of the wood between the worlds, where he gives them a warning that the earth could go the way of Charn, and a command to bury the rings, which they do along with the apple core after Diggory's mother is healed. From there, we're given some delightful details about how the following years turn out. I love that you called him Andrew. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of done giving him the authority of being uncle. called an uncle. <laughs> There's this place where Aslan says, this uncle of yours, you got to take the rings for me. <laughs> Aslan doesn't even take responsibility. <laughs> he is not, mine. not my uncle. <laughs> my recap says, Aslan brings the children back to the wood between the worlds to give them a warning and an instruction. So they return home to put things right, burying the rings, healing Diggory's mother. All goes well in Narnia, too. And the tree that grows from the apple core will one day connect the two worlds again. Oh, I'm glad that you put that. (laughs) It's such a great, great detail. It's perfect. And I remember the first time I read that and realized Mm -hmm. what that meant. Mm -hmm. It's just thrilling. It's so exciting to know why that wardrobe works. It knows its home tree. (laughs) So great. (laughs) I bet C.S. Lewis was really excited when he realized that too. Oh, I'm sure. I just can't even imagine how thrilling that was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. The best. I would love to taste a pie made from the apples of that tree. Oh, (laughs) yes. I bet they did because it was normal apples that were like especially delicious and healthy, although not that at all. Such a fun detail. They were Mm -hmm. very good for you. The best. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right. And it said they were the yummiest ones in all of England. Mm -hmm. What else did you notice about the chapter? 
There's a line that Aslan says when he's talking about Charn and comparing it to Earth, and he says, Great nations in your world will be ruled by tyrants who care no more for joy and justice and mercy than the Empress Jadis. Let your world beware. I know. Uh. (laughs) Okay, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? I mean, it is so eerily accurate. And I know that this was written by someone who had to watch wars and had to be part of them. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it's still true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was writing, what, after World War I or II even? I should know this. I think after World War II, because aren't there kind of nods to World War II in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Yes, the air raids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is my war history not coming through for me. Did that happen in both wars? Or just was air travel oh. not a thing yet in World War One? I? I think it just barely was. Maybe there weren't the raids. Yeah, I think it was mostly a problem in World War Two. Hmm. Yeah. What did it make you think of? Yeah, I was feeling like, stay in the story world. I don't want to hear about specific views on our world. I want the story to tell us about it. But isn't Aslan saying this? Doesn't that count as being part of the story? It does. It does. To me, it just sounded like Lewis stole the mic from Aslan for a second. Oh, (laughs) I could see that. Yeah, like maybe this is actually the narrator's opinion. Right. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't happen very often in Narnia, but there's like a couple places where I feel that way. Yeah. But I'm glad that you felt differently and that it was helpful instead. Well, I don't know that helpful is the right word for it, but more like uh, it felt like I could retweet it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Anyway, that's something that I noticed. What about for you? I love the part just after that, how the lion brings them back home. Yeah. All at once, the face of Aslan seemed to be a sea of tossing gold in which they were floating, and such a sweetness and power rolled about them and over them and entered into them that they felt... They had never really been happy or wise or good or even alive and awake before. And the memory of that moment stayed with them always, so that as long as they both lived, if ever they were sad or afraid or angry, the thought of all that golden goodness and the feeling that it was still there quite close, just round some corner or just behind some door, would come back and make them sure, deep down inside, that all was well. I just love that look ahead into their lives. If they were ever sad or afraid or angry, they thought about that golden goodness and knew it was close and that all was well. I think that's what, I don't know, I I meet some older folks who are Christians and have lived a life of faith and this is how they feel about their lives too. There's just like a level of contentment and joy that is possible to reach at all times. Yeah, yeah. They are grounded in the peace of Christ. Who is that author who writes all will be well and all will be well and all manner of things julian of norwich right that's right yeah Hmm. that's what this made me think of yeah and it goes straight from that moment into the wreck of the crowd outside the house and they're back in their life i love that juxtaposition Mm -hmm. that's exactly how it is it's this piece right next to all the tumble of life right it's not like one makes the other impossible Right. That's exactly like the point of it. Also, and did you we notice? See Sarah. Exactly. I was just going to say that. <laughs> what a day that girl was having. <laughs> I was so thrilled to see her again. We don't see Aunt Letty again. Or I guess, I mean, we do, but not right. in that moment. Like, we right. don't see how her day ended, but mm-hmm. we see how Sarah's continued. And that's so fun. So fun. <sighs> and this is all the same day back in London. Mm hmm. 
we see her as mother begins to get well. Aunt Letty would say, I declare, Mabel, you're the biggest baby of the three. That is such a beautiful section where we see a little bit at a time. Okay, now the windows are being opened. Okay, now the piano is tuned. Now Mm -hmm. she plays outside again. She's a wonderful mom. And fortunately, they also get to inherit a wonderful house in the country. And father comes home from India and everything is good. Right as that happens, Lewis writes, when things go wrong, you'll find that they usually go on getting worse for some time. But when things start going right, they often go on getting better and better. Yeah, and that's just what happens for Diggory. And Polly gets pulled in and she goes and spends all the summers with them. And they're always great friends. Uh, I'm so glad that Lewis gives us that, that he allows us to know that they continue their friendship. They don't just fade away from each other. Not like something that happened when they were kids. Mm -hmm. Also, did you notice the list of things that Polly gets to learn how to do in the country? There was one that surprised me. (laughs) Was it milk? Yeah. (laughs) That was where she learned to ride and swim and milk and bake and climb. (laughs) Wow, that's awesome. I mean, this house is awesome. It has suits of armor, stables, kennels, a river, a park, hothouses, vineries, Mm -hmm. woods, and mountains. They own the mountains. Yes. What? Incredible. And this house (laughs) we will explore again. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. Mm Mm-hmm. One last thing that I want to say before we move on to our sacred reading practice Hmm. is that we get to see how Uncle Andrew ends as well. I know. Wow. I'm really grateful for that. First of all, Aunt Letty doesn't have to deal with him for the rest of her life. (laughs) I know. I know. (laughs) Dickory's father said, we must try to keep that old fellow out of mischief. And it isn't fair that poor Letty should always have him on her hands. (laughs) True. She's just his sister. Yeah, seriously. It's not her fault that she was born into the same family as him. Mm-hmm. And he ends up being nicer and less selfish the older that he gets. Never tries magic again. It just kind of works out as best as it can for him, you know? Yeah. He must have really needed that nap that Aslan gave oh, him. seriously. It must have been a really good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Well, our sacred reading today, I'm excited because we get to just keep exploring the chapter. We're going to do Havruta again, which we did once before. Uh, I love this one. And Havruta is this practice where we ask a question and then we each come up with a possible answer. And so it's just kind of a chance to be extra imaginative and creative. And one of the rules of being creative is you have to at least write down all your brainstorm options because then your brain will keep giving them to you. And I think this is a good way to do that. So one question that I have is in my book on page 184, it says King Frank and Queen Helen and their children lived happily in Narnia and their second son became King of Arkenland. The boys married nymphs and the girls married wood gods and river gods. And then it keeps on going about Narnia. But my question is, how would that be to be married to a wood god or a river god or a nymph? That really surprised me to read. Yeah, such a good question. Uh, What would that be like? Mm -hmm. I mean, they are not human. They're humanoid for sure. Right. I mean, okay. If they share a bed, what if you're married to a river god and your bed is just always (laughs) wet? Uh, (laughs) I was worrying about if you're married to a wood god and their skin is bark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's tricky. I mean, it's a great question. I think it'd be really fun. Like you would learn so much. Mm-hmm. It's like getting married to someone who is from a different culture, but like to the extreme. Like the ultimate cross-cultural marriage. 
Yeah. <laughs> what would your kids be like? I know. I wonder that too. Because then this is all the humans of Narnia. Yeah. I think that they would have some bending ability, like water bending, but not full. Where they can manipulate the elements? A little bit, but not as much as their parent. So they might have water bending abilities or earth bending abilities. If nothing else, I'd like to think that they are very much of the earth kind of people. Mm-hmm. Like I could picture one of the kids going and standing in the forest and just standing still with all the trees often mm. for a long time and just breathing. I feel like they would be really good rulers because of that, because they're such a part of the community. That's true, yes, because most of the subjects of Narnia are animals and these trees and things, and they understand that. So we didn't really do Havruta the classic way where one person gave <laughs> right. a possible answer and the other person gave a possible answer, but I feel like a question like that requires more of a conversation than anything else. Yeah, we kind of together <laughs> came up with the possible answer of them sort of being a cross-cultural family. Yeah. Should we come up with one other possible answer just to... Just to carry the point. Sure. Something different. One possible answer is they had horrible marriages, <laughs> but they had to propagate the species. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what that thought was. <laughs> okay, just kidding. Um, do, do you have a different one? No, but I do have another Havruta question. Okay, even better. My question is, what do you think Diggory is a professor of? Oh, yeah, because he becomes a famous learned man, it says, and a great traveler mm -hmm. and a professor. I was thinking, so my possible answer is that he becomes a professor of geography Ooh. or anthropology, maybe. But think about when they go to Charn and he's very curious to keep exploring. And then especially when they're flying on fledges back through Narnia and he wants to know the histories of all the places. Yeah, maybe maybe history. OK, I'm going to say geography. <laughs> I think geography, because of his traveling, it just makes me think of him going and exploring maps and learning about all the places. My possible answer is history, because he was so interested in the history of Narnia that didn't yet exist. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to piggyback on yours and say that geography and anthropology require history. Like, those three things depend mm -hmm. upon each other. True. Yeah, very tied up. And I don't think he's the sort of person who only is interested in one subject and ignores all the others. I bet he dabbles. True. Yeah, he would teach amazing classes. Oh, I know. I want to sit in one of his classes or actually mm -hmm. visit his house and have him be a tutor. That would be even better. Mm -hmm. And also learn how to milk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and bake and climb and ride and swim. Mm-hmm. I just want to climb his mountains and be like, oh my gosh, this person owns these mountains. The best. Uh, <laughs> I think we get a clue of what kind of professor he is in the next book, or at least of what kind of studies he enjoys. Because remember, doesn't he say it's all there in Plato? What do they teach them in these schools? Oh, that's true. He, he might be a philosophy professor. Mm -hmm. But whatever mm -hmm. he is, I think he knows a lot about all of these things. He's pretty awesome, and he continues to be awesome. Mm -hmm. I have a question about Diggory when he's still a child, still in the, the part of the story that we're in. So Diggory comes back, and he feeds the apple to his mother, and it's this beautiful scene, how gentle he is with her. And the doctor thinks that she's going to be well, but she's not yet. And so Polly and Diggory meet, and she says, what luck about your mother? And Diggory says, I think, I think it's going to be all right, said Diggory, but if you don't mind, I'd really rather not talk about it yet. What do you think is happening there? Do you have a possible answer for what Diggory is feeling or thinking? 
do have a possible answer. I think it possibly links to a quote that we were working on a long time ago Mm. where something can be so good that you can hardly even hope for it. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't want to say it out loud. It might. It really might be true. And my possible answer is that he's not ready to say it out loud because it's too good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's been disappointed so many times before. Yeah. That's very sweet. Even after Aslan gives him the apple, you know, it's not like this triumphalistic, aha, I've claimed it, everything's right now. It's it still unfolds in a really tender and vulnerable way. Yeah, he's not even sure that his mother is going to be willing to eat it. Mm -hmm. Please, won't you? Yeah. What's your possible answer? Well, I definitely agree with yours. But another possible answer is that it feels like something he just wants to share with his mother Mm -hmm. and he's not ready to expand beyond that circle yet. It's very personal, even more personal than the circle Polly's in. Yeah. Just yesterday, I heard a woman speak about this, the relationship between Well, for her, it was family life and ministry life. She's a pastor. And she had this great phrase, a family is a door with hinges and a lock. And she said that the hinges need to be well-oiled. It's open. The family's hospitable, welcomes people in and out, in and out. But there's also a lock because for it to even exist and be a family, it needs to have time alone. And Mm -hmm. that's one possible answer is that this is Dickory putting a lock for the moment around just him and his mother. I like that possible answer. It feels real. Hmm. This isn't a Habruta question, but did you get nervous when Diggory peeled the apple yes. instead of just yes, slicing it? Really did. Okay, I'm glad you noticed that too. I was like, <laughs> oh no, she probably has to eat the skin or it won't work. Yeah, I got really nervous about that. Yeah. And relieved that it worked. I mean, obviously, I've read this book before. I know that it works. Right. But you get caught up in the moment. Mm-hmm. It's really tender and sweet that he knows she can't eat the apple skin. It's too hard. But maybe, do you think people didn't eat apple skins as much in Lewis's family? Oh, yeah, maybe at that time, no. Maybe just like the core, that's not expected as part of the apple. Huh. Maybe so. That's a possible answer. <laughs> but the other one is she's just too sick. I'm really glad that it worked. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And it worked so well. Mm-hmm. If I was him, I would want to just take one bite of it, but he didn't. Oh, I know. I am glad that he didn't. Me too. I think bad things would have happened, and I think he knows that. Yeah. But it would have been very tempting. Yeah. Because it smelled so good. Right. But I also think, wow, how sweet. It just shows Diggory's 100% focused on her. This is all he wants. He doesn't, he's not thinking about himself at all. He just loves her and wants her to be well. He's a great son. Yeah. Speaking of being someone's child, we're going to take a look at a scripture reading that ends with that thought. We'll be looking at Revelation 21, 5 through 7. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. Amen. I am making everything new. It seemed right to end our book by taking a look at the end of our holy book as well. Hmm. 
and finding a connection there. Yes. Here we are at this chapter that is the end and the beginning at the same time Mm. where someone has been made new and new adventures are going to come from what has already happened. And there's the same tone of joy and wellness and completion. Like when Aslan's mane is all around and they feel well every time they remember. That's the same tone that I I feel with this verse. I'm beginning and the end. There's peace. It feels really whole, doesn't it? Yeah. That God puts everything right. And that that happens in such concrete ways in this chapter. Like with Uncle Andrew, with Polly and Diggory's friendship, especially with his mother being healed, I think is the best demonstration here. There's a teacher at my undergrad that talks about, I'm making all things new, not I'm making all new things. God's not starting over in heaven or something, but putting our world right, putting the pieces back together, how they should be. Father comes home from India. They get to live in the country. They get to play piano with his mother. Polly comes around every holiday. The tree remembers its home in Narnia. And then the tree gets a new shape too. And there's a new portal to Narnia. Mm-hmm. The chapter isn't heaven, but it has the feeling of heaven. Yes. It feels like heaven and it's such a complete ending. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so glad that we get six more books. Mm-hmm. But wasn't this the last one that Lewis wrote? I think it might have been, or certainly it was one of the last. And so it makes sense that this feels so much like Revelation. Although when we get to the very last paragraph, I love the light tone it ends on, the funny twist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so good. I'm excited to hear that as we close our episode. What do you think you'll bring from this chapter into the week? This isn't a very tangible takeaway, but looking for new beginnings. Hmm. I have my books layered on top of each other right now. Huh. So <laughs> right now I have the Bible open and it's got the words, it's done. I'm the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. And then I look down and it says, many years later, another child from our world got into Narnia on a snowy night. She found the light still burning. (laughs) Yes. And you've got new beginnings happening in your life. I do too. That's exciting to be looking at the new beginnings around in your life. Yeah, there are a lot of new beginnings right now in my life and in the world. And the fact that it's a new year after a hard year has gone by. Hmm. I'm just excited about the word new right now. (laughs) New. Making all things new. What about for you? This feels pretty intangible as well. But I'm back to that image of the sea of tossing gold. They're looking into Aslan's face and, and that feeling that goes with them that all is well underneath everything. All shall be well, all shall be well, all manner of things shall be well, like you said. Maybe I'll just bring that phrase with me into the week. I think we could all use that. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, what Revelation gives and maybe what this last chapter points to as well is knowing that it's going to turn out well, knowing that God holds the beginning and the end is the beginning and the end. That's a source of peace. That's the source of peace for all the turmoil of life in the meantime. I guess, I mean, it's written to people who are suffering for their faith, some of them. And if it's comforting there, it's definitely comforting for whatever we come up against. Well, are you ready to hear the last of the magician's nephew? Yes. And did you notice, wait, do you want to start with the phrase? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) 
That was the beginning of all the comings and goings between Narnia and our world, which you can read of in other books. When Diggory and his people went to live in the big country house, they took Uncle Andrew to live with them. For Diggory's father said, we must try to keep the old fellow out of mischief, and it isn't fair that poor Letty should have him always on her hands. Uncle Andrew never tried any magic again as long as he lived. He had learned his lesson, and in his old age, he became a nicer and less selfish old man than he had ever been before. But he always liked to get visitors alone in the billiard room and tell them stories about a mysterious lady, a foreign royalty, with whom he had driven about London. A devilish temper she had, he would say, but she was a dem fine woman, sir, a dem fine woman. So this was the beginning of the comings and goings in Narnia. See you next week with our final thoughts on the magician's nephew before we begin journeying further up and further into the Chronicles of Narnia with the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. Damn fine woman. A damn fine woman, sir. A damn fine woman. I talked to my dad about that and he remembered me wandering around the house saying it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's so great. We've got to pull that out in regular life. I should make that my application for the week. Find someone to say (laughs) that to. (laughs) You still can, for sure. Mm Mm-hmm.